Let's pray. Father, Son, and Spirit, I thank you that you are present with us this morning. I thank you that, that you are dwelling inside of us, and as we hear from the scriptures this morning, may you stir in us our baptismal identity, that we are sons and daughters of the High King. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, good morning. I have, if I've not met you yet, my name is Anthony, and excuse the hoarse voice, I'm not used to preaching three services, so this is all new for me. Uh, the last time I preached was actually April 24th. It was at Water's Edge where I used to serve, and I served there for 13 years. When I first got there, I was a babe. I was 23 years old. I look at a 23-year-old now and go, what were you thinking? Why? Why did you give me any kind of authority in the church? But they were very gracious, and they, they saw my wife and I grew up. They saw us actually get married, and they walked with me through my season of seminary to become one of their pastors, and they uh, were with us when our first son, or our only son was born, and, and then we weathered the, the, the last two years of insanity together, and it was a beautiful season of ministry together. 13 years, and after those 13 years, I was very, very tired, very tired. And uh, my wife and I, we had planned our first kind of overnight uh, date night away from our son for the last night of, the, of the, my last day at Water's Edge. We were very excited. We had uh, bought tickets to see one of our favorite artists who um, last service I said Pastor Martin uh, makes fun of me for. He says he doesn't, but he kind of does. I can just tell. But we went to go see John Mayer at the American Airlines. Don't, eh, if you don't like him, you're missing out. And uh, we, we had bought tickets for that, and we had made reservations at a, a restaurant we wanted to try. We had a hotel room. We were so excited to kind of just have this night to ourselves to kind of transition out of Water's Edge and celebrate our time together. But the week before that event, uh, that, that last Sunday, the flu decided to just rip through my family. Mainly the stomach flu. It started with sore and went to my wife and then it peaked in me my last Sunday at Water's Edge and I got through the service and it was, it was fine and, and I was like, we are going to dinner. We are going to the concert. We will have fun. And it was, it was fine. Like I ordered food and kind of poked at it. The concert was, I'm sure it was great, but we had to leave early because I just felt awful. And that night we were hoping just for blissful sleep in a hotel room without a, a baby to possibly wake us up. And it just was like sick sleep, you know, where you're like just pounding uh, NyQuil to try to stay asleep. And, and it was kind of disappointing. And, and the reason it was kind of disappointing was I was hoping that that would set the tone for the next uh, month of our life together because I t intentionally took a time off a full month off between my last day at Water's Edge and, and starting our ministry here at Bethany. We were looking forward to a mini sabbatical, and we had a plan that we were going to move down here, quickly get into the house and pack, get soaring in preschool, and then have the rest of the month to just enjoy Austin, just to, to learn the lay of the land and enjoy one another. And it was going to be just this beautiful moment, uh, a season of, of peace. But Soren's in preschool and he brings home arts and crafts and the plague home every single week. Every week, there's a new sickness going through our home. And, and we learned that we're, we used to pride ourselves in how quickly we could unpack a house or an apartment. And we're like, oh, we'll knock this out in a couple of days. Well, having a two-year-old, that's not possible. It's still getting done. And all these things we were hoping that just we weren't going to have to kind of normal life go through, just this mini uh, break would give us peace 
And I know I was naive looking back at it. But that time off, I was thankful for, but it was anything but peaceful. And reflecting on that, I, I understood now that I had this Western idea of peace. And the dictionary defines peace as the absence of disturbance or the absence of conflict. And I just was hoping all the normal things in our life that normally disturb us or bring conflict would just be gone. But, but they weren't, and I didn't have this sense of peace. Think about your own life. I'm sure you have some, a list of things in your life right now that if they just went away, if they just stopped, then you would have peace. Or as a collective whole, as a culture, that if certain things in our society just stop for a moment, then we'd be able to just breathe and have some peace. But maybe what we need to do is redefine what peace actually is. Our gospel reading this morning comes from John 14, and Jesus says this. He's speaking to his disciples. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. The word used here for peace, and also in our series of Galatians that we're going through, is rooted in the Hebrew word that is shalom. Can you say shalom? Good job. People last service, they're walking out saying shalom. There you go. We're going to be saying that this morning. But shalom, shalom is actually not our Western idea of peace. It's much deeper. It's more beautiful. It, it resonates with us at a deeper level. The, um, there's a great YouTube channel or ministry called The Bible Project, and they do deep dives on all sorts of things of scripture, but they have a deep dive on shalom. And, and this is what they, this is kind of how they help us understand shalom in our Western world. At its most basic understanding, shalom means complete or whole. Shalom refers to something that is complex with lots of pieces that is in a state of completeness. Life is complex and full of moving pieces, and when one part of your life is out of alignment or missing, your shalom breaks down. Your life is no longer whole. It is broken and needs to be restored. They go on in the, to talk about how pe or shalom can actually be a verb, that you can shalom somebody. If your kid knocks a baseball through your neighbor's window, you can shalom them by repairing the window. If you and your spouse, your children are, are in a conflict with one another, you can shalom one another and bring peace and reconciliation to that. Nations at war, when they experience shalom, it's not just a ceasefire, but how do we come together and work together and bring wholeness between our two country. Shalom is much, much deeper than our Western idea of peace. And I think it's something we are all longing for. But to understand kind of the weight of this passage from John, we need to step into the context in which Jesus was saying these words. This happens in what uh, has kind of come to be known as the upper room discourse, that Jesus is with his 12 disciples and he's prepping them for what's about to come, that he's actually headed towards the Calvary. He's headed towards the cross to die and he's looking at them and, and saying, I, don't worry boys, I'm leaving, but I'm sending the Holy Spirit. 
To you and I, we're like, that's great. But imagine being a disciple following Jesus for three years where you decide to follow this rogue rabbi and you've seen him do miracles. You've seen him go toe-to-toe with religious leaders. You've seen him do things that no other man could ever do. And he says, hey guys, I'm leaving, but I'm sending the Holy Spirit. And they're going like, the Holy what? Huh? No, no, Jesus, you can't, you need to stay here. You're not done. We're not done. We need you here. And he says, no, 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 no. I'm sending the helper. He's going to be with you. And no wonder he then says, but I'm going to give you peace. But I'm not going to give you a peace that the world gives. I'm going to give you my peace. And he kind of is redefining for them and for us this morning what peace is. To me, it seems that there's different kinds of peace. The world's peace and Jesus' peace. The world's peace is often something we strive for. For for my family and I, the last month, it was that we were striving after peace in so many different things. And maybe for us gathered this morning in, in worship that you could just make a list of things that you think will bring peace to you. If you're a student, if you get the right grades and get into the right college, then maybe you'll experience some peace. Parents, if your kids get into the right college, maybe then you'll experience some peace. And and then you just follow the natural tendency of life. And, oh, you get good grades and you graduate. Oh, now you got to find a spouse. And then maybe you'll have some peace. And and then, oh, but you got to get a job to pay off that debt to go to that school you couldn't really afford. So now you you need to find the right job to get some peace. And then, oh, oh, you have I'm just talking about my my life. And then then your parents go like, hey, when are the grandbabies coming? Okay, if we make them happy, then they'll get some peace. When's number two coming. No. And you'll experience some peace or maybe towards the end of your career, if our nest egg is big enough that we can just travel around the world and experience peace. And none of those things are bad in themselves. But if you're like me and have gone after those things, you quickly know that there might be some sort of peace for a moment, but it quickly fades. And I think for many of us, we're sitting there saying, there's got to be something deeper. There's got to be something that, that surpasses what this world offers. And that, what, that is what Jesus is promising in this passage. This shalom, this wholeness, this completeness that only he can give. I've heard it say that you can't give what you don't already possess. So that made me thinking, okay, how is Jesus going to give this peace? What is it that Jesus possesses that I don't, that he's able to share with the disciples and to share with me and to share with you this morning? And it made me think, going back to how Jesus' ministry began, his public ministry began at his baptism in the river, the Jordan River, and as he enters the waters, the heavens open up and the Spirit descends upon him and this voice says, his heavenly Father, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Jesus' ministry didn't begin with thousands of followers. It didn't begin with him going toe-to-toe with abusive religious leaders. It didn't begin with miracles and, and, and raising people from the dead. It began with him simply receiving a declaration from his heavenly father saying, you are my boy and I'm pleased with you. That was the source of his peace. 
In our tradition, we often focus on the divinity of Jesus, 100% God, yes and amen, but he was also 100% man, and in his humanity, he experienced completeness, wholeness with God, and that is the peace he left his disciples and that he gives us today. It is peace with God. The reality is that you and I... I, as I was reminded in Pastor Danner's uh, Bible study this morning, I often break shalom with God. That I often break shalom with other humans. That I break shalom with God's creation. That left to my own device, I will always run from God. I will break the wholeness that he desires to have with me. But St. Paul writes in Colossians, For him, that being Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. By making peace by the blood of his cross. Before I accepted this call, I kind of checked you guys out. I watched your streams. I was like, does Pastor Danner know his stuff? And he does. He does really well. So I know you have net, you, if you've worshiped with Bethany for any time, you've heard things like this before, that Jesus died for your sins, that you have peace with God because of what Christ has done, that you are loved by God. But I have a confession to make as as your new pastor, that I sit down in, in the pews and I read my Bible and, and I hear um, people tell me that I'm loved by God, that I have peace with God. And at times, I, I know this on a cognitive level. I know this is a theologically true statement, but I don't always experience this peace. And it was painfully aware to me over the last month of how many things I was running to to find peace. And they weren't bad things but they left me feeling empty, broken, not complete. And my hunch is that you're no different than me, that many of you know this, that you have peace with God, but it's not something you necessarily experience on a day-to-day level. As I've been preparing for this this first sermon at Bethany and spending time with this text, it, it acted as a mirror that was forcing me to look at my own life. And I was sitting in my office several days ago going, Jesus, what do you want to say about this text? How does, how does this play out in the life of your church? And he said, but how does it play out in your life, Anthony? And as I was sitting there, I realized I had come to a point where I said, basically I had to say, God, I have tried to seek peace in many other places and I have not found it. Help. Help. Say that. Help. Most beautiful prayer we can pray most of the time. And I remember standing in my office a few days ago and I I sensed this peace come over me. And it wasn't this emotional, like, goosebumpy feeling. It was just this peace. And I was sitting there and I'm going, whoa, what's going on? And Philippians comes to mind when Paul writes about the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. In that moment, I knew it was the peace of God coming upon me because nothing in my life had changed. 
Soren still brought home the plague that week. Still starting a new job. I'm still trying to figure out how to get anywhere in town and avoid 35 at all costs. But the peace of God had come over me. And, and I feel silly standing here before you because I can't really explain it. I, I feel like I'm talking like, like some weird church talk, right? Where it's like, oh, just the peace of the Lord, brother. And you're like, ah, but really? But I, stood, I can stand here before you and say, I felt this peace come over me. But my hunch is that you in this room with me or, or on, online with us, have experienced that peace at times also. Over my time in vocational ministry, I have had the honor to sit with families, to sit with people, on uh, their life on the outside, look at the circumstances, there should be no peace at all. Whether it be from a death of a loved one or the loss of a job or, or that just terminal diagnosis. And as I've sat with them, I can see in their eyes this peace that surpasses all understanding. And that peace is contagious. Maybe you are that person where you've experienced that peace in the middle of the worst circumstances overcoming you. Or maybe you've had the honor to sit with that family or that loved one, experience them, experience that peace of God which surpasses all understanding. And as God was working this in my heart this week, he, in his mercy and his goodness, he started to connect these theological truths that I'm a baptized child of God, that he loves me because of what Jesus has done, that God actually like, likes me, not only likes, loves me, but he enjoys me. That he looks at me and says, you're my boy. He looks at you and says, you're my daughter. He brought those things back into the right perspective of that is the core of what it means to be human, to be loved by God, your creator. And it surpassed all my understanding. And for some of you right now, it might be surpassing all of your understanding. You're like, that's great, but like, I'm a type A driven person. Like, how do I get this peace? Well, here's the thing. You can't get it. All you can do is receive it. You can't achieve God's peace. You can't seek after it on your own ability. All you can do is receive it. But I believe there are some things we can do to begin to cultivate the soil. This series comes from Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit. Anyone ever plant a fruit tree in their yard? No? Yes, one. Okay, so if I'm wrong on this, I'm sorry, but it's a good illustration. They all fall apart eventually. From my understanding, if you plant a fruit tree or any plant, really, like, you can't be like, all right, plant an orange tree. Grow an orange tomorrow. You can't do that. All, it, it bears fruit in its own time, but you, all you can do is create the good soil that needs to be planted and create an environment for it to thrive, to do what it was naturally supposed to do, produce fruits. Same with us as followers of Jesus. We cannot produce peace. But we can join God as he grows us by cultivating good soil. And the way we do that, that, that Christians throughout history, they come to call them spiritual disciplines, spiritual practices, habits, whatever they may be. And they are, they are practical, intentional things we can do to begin to create an environment, a soil, if you will, for our for us to receive God's peace. What I'm about to put on the screen should not be shocking to anyone, but let's pretend what it is. You guys ready to know what they are? All right, when I go to the next screen, I want you to go, <gasps> ready? 
<gasps> Silence and solitude, scripture reading, and prayer. Nothing here is earth-shattering stuff ever. Some of you are like, what's the secret recipe for peace? There is none. But these are the things that the saints throughout time have practiced that have been passed down from generation to generation to, to begin to, gr- to grow that, uh, to, to cultivate that soil for God to bear fruit in us. Silence and solitude. We live in a world that is loud and noisy all the time. We have devices in our pockets screaming at us all the time, demanding our attention. The most countercultural thing we can do is spend time each day in silence and solitude before God. As look out there, many of you are young parents or young families like I am. That means at times, Soren has to stay in his room a little bit longer while I lock myself in the closet to just be still before the Lord. And focus on being, not doing. Where I'm not audibly praying, I'm not reading scripture, I'm just sitting and breathing in the presence of Jesus. Scripture reading. Spending daily time in the word. We cannot give what we haven't received, and we most clearly receive Jesus in the scripture. If you don't know where to start, start with the Psalms. Psalm 1, and just work your way through. If the Old Testament scares you, go to the Bible class in between services. We're going through Samuel. Crazy stuff in there. Start in the Gospel of John and read two or three verses a day and sit there, but not just read it and be like, Check, done, but to come to the scriptures with the humility saying, Jesus, I am here, I am present, speak to me. Start to cultivate my soul to bear fruit. And last but not least, there are many other practices, but these are kind of the core three. Prayer, daily prayer. Our Father in heaven wants to hear from us. On your way to work, as your way, way to drop kids off, to go pick up the grandkids, on your way into a meeting, cooking a meal, washing uh, the clothes, doing chores around the house, whatever it may be, invite God into those things and talk to him about it. And as you begin to do these things, as you begin to practice them, you're just creating an environment, an openness to the Spirit to come and begin to bear fruit in you. Now, all of these things are simply invitations. Jesus is not going to love you more if you do them. Your pastors are not going to be more proud of you if you do them. But Jesus is saying, as you join me in this, and as you work with me, watch what I begin to do in your heart. Now, if anyone has ever had a fruit tree or lived next to someone that had a fruit tree, most often a healthy tree will produce more fruit than one family can possibly consume before it goes bad. My parents have, I believe they have an avocado tree in California, and that thing produces way more avocados than any human should ever eat in a season. And they love giving them away to their neighbors and their friends. And that is what Jesus produces in us, good fruit. He produces peace in us to share that peace to the places he is sending us. Because we live in a world that is looking for peace in all of the wrong places. Simply out of ignorance, they just don't know. But we are the people who have experienced this peace. We are the people who are coming to the table this morning to receive God's peace in bread and wine, body and blood, to take that peace to the world. So I encourage you this week to lean into these practices. And I'm not saying it's going to happen like that. If you're just ramped up and anxious, like you're probably not going to come next week just like, It's going to take a while, a lifetime, to grow 
and the fruit of the Spirit. So as we wrap up our time this morning, I, I just want to pray God's peace over us. So if you're comfortable, I invite you to close your eyes, and if you're with us online, to, to do the same. To bring your hands out before you just as a posture of receiving. and Take a breath in. Breathe out. Bring another breath in. Breathe out. Jesus, I thank you that your source of peace comes from your identity that was given to you by your Father. In your full humanity, you experienced complete shalom. And that by your life, death, and resurrection, you have now given us that shalom. A deep-seated peace, a wholeness, a sense that all things are as they should be in relationship to you. So Jesus, I pray your peace upon your people. A peace that surpasses all understanding. For those of us in this room who are doubting, who are questioning, Lord, I pray that you sit with them and you bring your peace upon them. Lord, for those of us whose life circumstances are anything but peaceful, I pray your peace upon them, that it surpasses their circumstances. Lord, for those of us who are experiencing your peace, who see the fruit of peace in our life, may that peace, may we give that peace away. May it simply just flow through us that we don't even know that you are using us in this world. So Jesus, I pray your peace, which surpasses all understanding, upon your church, whom you love, that you gave your life for, and that you are now sending into this world. I ask all this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.